The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Ben Howard. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Jack Newman, and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. This week, we're going to be taking a look at Nomadland. The I think it's I think we're going to eventually get like a 2021 film up in here in January, but that's what January is for: is looking back at all the Oscar noms that we missed over the course of especially 2020. especially because they delayed. So you got you got some late late entries here that are coming right yeah. under the wire to be, be fresh frankly, in the minds of the Oscar. Frankly, I would probably suggest that you know just like last year uh january february and march are going to be really weird in terms of what we do and don't watch but you know that is that is the that is the nature of it but you got a really good film here today it was just kind of the exciting thing about january sometimes we end up watching like really good content in january randomly because i catch up on shit that i should have seen and then i'm like why didn't i fucking see this when it came out so here we are uh nomadland 2020 starring uh sorry starring uh francis mcdermott uh uh, david strath Sorry, Strathairn. Strathairn and Linda May, uh, written by Jessica Bruder uh, and uh, Chloe Zhao, and of course directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, after losing in the Great Recession, sorry, after losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living living as a van dwelling modern day nomad. Uh, a couple other notes here: music was by uh, Ludiva. Sorry, oh my god. Lurio Vico in, in Nadi and uh, cinematography is by Joshua James Richards. Uh, editing is by Chloe Zhao. Production company was Highway Films. Sorry, Highwayman Films. Uh, Shea Productions. Sorry. Distributor was Searchlights. That's a big one you want to know about. Uh, the budget was four to six million dollars. This is a cheap ass uh, film. The current, uh, according to Wikipedia, predicted take home budget has been about a million. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a VOD release right now. Like all, yeah. So, and, and it's and it's also looking for Oscar noms to make this a successful project. So to be frank with you, like it'll be very dependent upon where whether or not it'll be successful. Will be coming up. We'll be finding up kind of here soon. It also should be noted that. that- the director of this film has the Eternals coming out this year. She's the director of the yeah. Eternals. Yeah. And this is produced by Searchlight, which now is owned by Disney. Um, so I would not be uh, surprised if this was a uh, one for them, one for me kind of deal, you know, of a I'll do your big two hundred million dollar movie, but throw me six million dollars my way. And uh, let me let me go on the van on the road with Francis McDormand for like six months. Dude, honestly, like this is a beautiful booby. I have to admit, I was kind of floored by this. And maybe it's not I've not been watching like great content like recently or like, I don't know. I've just been like all like that. It was really just nice to like watch like Francis McDermott just kind of do that. And it's also like a slice of Americana. And it's just like a modern slice of Americana, like talking about the Great Recession and kind of like how we talk about modern homelessness, like that, you know, and, and other things and other elements and about and again, they're not technically homeless. It's like a, how you look at it, but it is like a kind of a new slice of Americana where there's this kind of post Great Recession amalgamation of like like american road culture being revitalized and kind of this thing and talking about people that are just kind of you know you know not intentionally misplaced because they there is definitely a seizure of ownership in the context of this film where it does talk about it doesn't it doesn't it does a great job of not it, it does a great job of both idolizing what she is and where she is but at the same time talking about you know the harshness of it but also just having to invitalize a culture because like there's such a fine line to be walked here in the context of this movie because it's both you know a you know it's both you know a 
the social and modern pressures pushing down on her to do this. But at the same time, there's also like her, a story of like a woman falling in love with this culture and this community. Um, and it's kind of a community that is both forced to be there and also wants to be there. And, and, it, and it kind of shoves both ways through the course of the movie. And I think, I think one of those things is like, you know, the, the movie does a really good job in my opinion of doing it both ways and getting away with it, which I think is kind of a, a beautiful thing. Cause it's still like a beautiful, like road movie, but it's also like same time you're like, God damn it. Amazon affiliate centers suck. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. like that this is like mm-hmm. the only thing that we can provide people is like, you know, in terms of jobs and working and everything else. So let's go ahead and toss uh, around the horn here. So let's go ahead and start with you, Trevor. What did you think of Nomadland? Uh, yeah, I similarly found it very beautiful, mostly positive on it, but also kind of uh, maybe a little confused about I, I think it's maybe has a little bit of a muddled message uh, for me. It, it's it's people tone poem is like the phrase that I've heard and it's not often that I watch a movie like this and uh, I think it is like kind of just about a lot of things <laughs> and uh, you know some of them uh, it's, it's, some of them struck me very deeply you know I um, I, I did like uh, it, and part part of it is like Chloe Zhao and her authenticity thing where she just gets like the actual people and then ha- puts them in the film where it's like half documentary kind of like uh, swanky and um, like the two Bob. two of the other characters. Bob is the big guy yeah, who like fun. has the blog, started the movement. Yeah, pretty much and everybody just, besides Francis McDormand and Draven Strathairn are right. Um, actual right. Romance. Yeah, right. yeah. Which is why when David Strathairn wanders into the <laughs> into the shot, him it, it almost feels kind of weird sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's he's so pretty. Like, is it I weird to him. be in the context of this movie? He's I just find incredibly Dave's... attractive. Uh, no, Isn't he? Like, I, I love him, and it is it is that is like one of the weird, ambiguous things of this movie where I was just like, it doesn't seem like she likes him that much, or like you know, it's kind of like doing this thing about like people and commitment and settling down in a person where where it's like presenting him is like I just I like spending time with you I like you but then like it's also about her processing her grief and is that the thing that she keeping her from settling down is it a choice is it economics it, it's like you're saying Jack it's a very fine line and I do think for the most part it succeeds because yeah. there's just yeah. so much beautiful imagery you know every time Francis McDormand's head is in front of a landscape I'm just thinking is this the for your consideration picture is this the for consideration <laughs> like it could be any of I mean them. yeah yeah the, the, uh, I am- the clip that they released of this film when it was doing the festival circuit was literally just her walking through this field of vans in this gorgeous shot. And it's basically like, that's undeniable. That's like just one of the most incredible shots I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Dude, the, the, they also have that shot of her and like, what is it's It's like a, uh, it's like a very famous like rock country part of Ohio or something. Uh, what is it called? It's, it's actually Monument Valley? It's near. Yeah, I think it's Monument. It's near Jenna. It's uh, it's like it's like uh, it's very close to where she is. I went there with her, and it's one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, she's just like walking through there, and he's like, David Strayman's like, what do you see? And she's like, more rocks. And I'm like, uh, roll credits. You know, mm-hmm. not that that's the name of the movie, but it's just it's there's there's something really good about that. I completely agree with you entirely, Trevor. I think this is a movie that I can love, and other people could totally see past. And I'm sure there is somebody that is living in their van somewhere that sees this, and they're just like, fuck you, Hollywood. You know, it's like. Because it's like they're economically pushed down into their van and then they go and see this movie and they're like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, I'm sure that is like a reaction that somebody had. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I kind of want to talk about like other road romance movies that are more romantic because I don't think it necessarily romanticizes it, but I think it kind of does. Oh have it both God. ways I, I, Sometimes I think it. I mean, maybe maybe that I was just. I, I, I will. I will let's be honest. Ben. I want to. I want to hear Ben's overall. Yeah, take yeah, yeah. Too. Let's go down a bit. Sorry, I, I'm about to take over here. Go ahead, Ben. Um, yeah, I was very excited for this film because um, I still haven't seen her first movie, but I did see The Writer when it came out in 2017, mm. and it was my favorite film of 2017. It just completely and utterly blew me away. I was so entranced by it, and it was uh, one of those immediate things of like, who is this person? Like, what can I? see more of of them and i should have seen her first film but i never did and that's my bet um i have it on dvd here <laughs> and uh, it was i i was very excited to finally have it come out and you know um kel who tends to be he's very adventurous with his film viewing i won't i won't uh nothing dismissive to say about his film viewing but typically these kinds of films are not what i usually think he would like and um, he looks over and he walks by and he's like, this is interesting. And he sits down and he is immediately enraptured for the entire f- whole film, which I think speaks for why I, I'm like, why is this film going to be the, the one that connects of her films? And I think there is just an element of immediate emotional pull that Francis McDormand has. She's just one of those actors who can just bring empathy to to even hateful characters to incredibly often very sympathetic characters she's just and she just looks the part she just immediately just looks like someone who has lived this life and had all this experience on her face and so i think it it is an interesting mix here because the writer was a a non-professional actor he was an actual writer (laughs) and that's where you get into the very like documentary style very he's a stilted (laughs) what, what are you laughing at I just, I just, it's not you. It's, it's Chloe. It's sorry. It's Chloe Zhao's like thing. It's like, I, I love her movies. I'm not going to lie to you. And I have this seen is my songs. For her. I, I, I have seen, seen songs. My brother taught me. I haven't seen the writer, but I've seen songs. My brother taught me. So I've seen the first one. Right. I've heard the writer is better. Uh, I am there with your endorsement, which I haven't heard before, Ben. I had really want to try that now. But uh, this is this is definitely, in my opinion, a, a superior movie to the songs my brother taught me, which is also not a bad movie. I just think that it's very um, awardsy. I, I don't know how to put that. I don't want to like put that in like a. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like I. I. I immediately connect to this movie just a little bit more, and that, well, and that could just be in the faces. The songs my brother taught me is based on like it's a reservation living. It's a very different experience from me. Yeah. Versus like all three of these movies, and my, the thing I was laughing about is that her, her three movies are songs my brother taught me, The Writer, No Bad Land, and then Eternals. I know. I know. <laughs> just, it's, yeah. It's, it's the epitome like, of the American indie film yeah, movement, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. It's 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 exactly. Like we're we're doing like Heartland, 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 Eternals. Yeah, no, <laughs> not even like, like a Heartland superhero. Like maybe if it was the Flash or something, you're like maybe. Right. No, it's, it's a fucking space opera movie. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Which I'm I'm desperate to see the writer now. I will now that you actually endorse it and like it better yeah. than Nomadland. If I'm I, not taking that away from, this. I do like it a little bit better than Nomadland. And but I think what she does here, which I think is does make it more accessible to people, is is that you have two. Uh, uh, professional actors to, to hold that weight and the writer yeah, is more yeah. ar- is more like artsy I would say and is a little bit more like free flowing it doesn't have kind of as strong of a narrative as I mean, no man that doesn't have much of a narrative either but it is very much like a, uh, it has a course and a cr- projection and everything and it, no and again, it is she, definitely she is she is very fascinating that way because Nomadland is based on a nonfiction book, but Fern is not a person from the nonfiction book. She basically took like, okay, this is the culture. This is the people. 
then she wrote this character and then kind of did a half improv, half scripted kind of uh, thing around I, it. I, I love Fern. I, I'm not going to lie. It's no, interesting that McDormand yeah. said that like, yeah, I always fantasized about setting off on the road at 65 and renaming myself Fern. Like that's where that came from is some, is her like the big actresses like conception, like romanticized conception of this. And like all of that was like organically part of developing this movie like that. I, I, I do respect that. I guess that process a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, what she how she makes movies. And and I think, you know, it's the same thing when you get, you know, uh, like Paul Racy in Sound of Metal or Swanky in this film. There's certain people that you just can't like act that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. It's just a certain Swanky level of kind of is just one of those things. She has like this. This kind and her actual name is Swanky. I mean, she goes by yeah. one name, Swanky. IMDb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. No, and it, it's well, no, it's just one of those things where it's like you know the level of like kindness she displays while also being crotchety is just. It, there's just like it's such a characterization that is like her per. She just showed up as her person, and there's an authenticity to there that I think is at the core of Nomad. And and I don't know why Swanky kind of like I was like kind of on the fence about this movie until I saw until I ran into Swanky, and it's weird <laughs> that Swanky like changed my like Swanky like I was like I, I I didn't like love like how real everything was. I was like okay, you know people are not actors. And then Swanky showed up, and I was like fuck man, this works. I I don't know that's that, that was like no, she, she does the, the right people to get like her and Bob exactly. Bob incredible speech and just like and that whole speech is like that clearly actually happened to that guy like yeah you can't again yeah. even make someone have those kind of emotional resonance and that's when you can use a, a non-professional actor very interestingly right. um you, you 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 i like what she does she creates a situation around them and then just essentially asks them to reminisce in the context of talking to fern and then allows them yes. to push real stories forward like which is i think that's i think that's me. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm talking a lot, but uh, it, it no, very much good. reminded me of a Terrence Malick movie uh, in that way. And and for one, the visually it reminds me a lot of Terrence Malick's current movies. It has a similar kind of floating camera, long lenses to get like lots of wide shots and people in nature. Mm-hmm. But also has uh, Terrence Malick movies now are very improvisational, so they'll have like a bit of a thing, and then it'll just be like a. Again, the like you you know, the tone poem thing is overused, but it is very much a case of like, I want you to have this kind of emotional reaction here, this kind of sequence here, and again, just finding those parts of America that are just so gorgeous. I I think this movie related to me very much in two ways. One, I went on a very long road trip when I was about fourteen up uh the north, like right through the Midwest. And so we saw all the beautiful mountains and then Utah and Salt Lake and all these gorgeous uh, uh, trips along the way that uh, I saw a lot of in this film and was just like, ugh, America is so fucking pretty. <laughs> like, it's just one of those movies yeah, that reminds yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's how, a, yeah. As much as I wish we had high speed rails, like, well, that, that's why we have highways. It's like, it's just so pretty to drive as much as yeah. I kind of hate it when I'm in, 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 in It's one of those things where it's like, it's, this is like car culture is like specific, like, you know, there's petrol heads in Britain and everything else, but there's, you, you just don't have the same sort of culture among petrol heads in Britain because there's just not enough 
in space. There's not these vast open expanses that you can drive out into and have adventures and just have that spirit of the highway. And, and, and then there's, they evoke it just enough and just the right way in this movie that it like tickles me in like that good sort of way. I agree with you entirely, but it, it does oh, thing too. I'll one, say one, too. One more thing. Go ahead, Sorry. Go and I promise we'll be done. <laughs> um, no, 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 you're, you're fine. Uh-huh. If, if anyone's ever seen the audio files for these podcasts, <laughs> you know, I talk too much. Like that's a thing. Like I, 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 I understand that that is a good solid actual criticism the other thing is that my grandma lived uh not quite this life but a similar life in that she after she retired bought an rv much nicer than this one so this one had a toilet she did not have to poop in a bucket um but uh but it was not like the nice uh van line which i i really like that scene where they go to like the the Mm -hmm. giant bus you know camper for and it's like how much these people could use for that you know with their level of um ingenuity and stuff um but she had a very small very very practical camper that she literally rode all across the country and she would tell me that it's very similar in this of of the whole thing where bob says i'll see you when down the road is very true she would literally run into the same people over and over again and she would go to these meets and people would come and eventually you'd come and they would be gone and you know and then that's just kind of how it is you never know if it was the last time you'd see somebody you never really knew if it was um the time you know that you would be the last time that they saw you or whatever and that kind of emotional core i thought she brought through really well um just from what i know from my my grandmother's experiences so i I appreciated uh that all right those are my points yeah (laughs) i I, I just i'm just i was about to lay down my road credentials if you will (laughs) uh no i'm just (laughs) Uh, my my uh my family so i was a a military brat and so my family would take these huge long road trips and you know those are things like my parents grew up in kentucky and then they moved to san antonio and then you know that he moved to we moved all over the place and it's one of those things where i just remember being like in these huge road trips where i was like you know in the back seat and just going place to place to place uh, which is fine because eventually we settled in North Carolina and lived most of my life. But I also remember growing up and going to college in San Antonio and driving that because I never flew to San Antonio. Like I flew to San Antonio like once and like every other time I like, well, for like Christmas and stuff. But like every year I would make, I would take all, put my all my stuff in my car and I would drive from North Carolina to San Antonio and back again over the summer. And it was part of the, and one of the things that my parents always tease me about is that it took me, when I did the trip, it took me like three days longer than they did. My dad can go from <laughs> San Antonio to North Carolina in about a day and a half, and if there's two people in the car, you can switch off until we get there. That's just it, how my dad drives. It's, my dad said, is, it's not fair. They had one more person to switch with. Exactly. So and I was, well, no, there was always somebody else in my car, because somebody always mm. made every, every every summer, like somebody made the trip with me, because mm. I was like, it'll be a magical adventure. We'll go through New Orleans, and I was like, for First year Thomas went with me and it took us like seven days to get to North Carolina because we stopped in New Orleans and all the way around. I just love those trips because it was just one of those things that was incredibly magical to me because we'd stop. We would stop everywhere. We stopped in Louisiana at really dumb areas. And it just I, I just love it. It's just nice. it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I was like, you know, a lot of times I hate Atlanta and Louisiana. And I'm not going to lie. There's stretches of Louisiana. If you're going to San Antonio that are just like, man, if I drive off the road here, I'm dead and in the swamp. But no one will ever <laughs> find me. That's just how it is. That's Louisiana. Louisiana. They have these massive highways through swamps that are just like. There's like hundreds of miles of just like road and just like you're like, you know what? I could just like take the car off this embankment right here and no one would ever know I was dead here. <laughs> like we'll never find my body, uh, which I, I don't know. I just I, there's something magical and significant about that stretch of road. 
that I think is profound. And I guess like maybe this is one of those things where I am a sucker for like Smokey and the Bandit and road movies. And that's a very different, different, different. It's not even it's not even mentioning in the same breath almost as this content. But I just find that this is like a realistic take on what life on Americana and like roads and like one of what road culture is like evolving into a nomad ship. And it's just like it's about watching somebody take the beauty out of a shit situation and just like embracing that beauty. So yeah, I, I understand entirely Trevor. You're right. Like I understand this, this movie's messages all over the place. I accept that. I also accept that it was a magical experience for me. And I like want to embrace that, like take on it as somebody who has a home and a wife and like, you know, you want to correct me, Trevor? Oh no, no, it's fine. Yeah. It tickles. It tickles Katie. Sometimes I forget. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I have a fiance and a home and you know, I have enough security. So it's not like, a, so obviously I can look at this like with a lot. I mean, it's my perspective. Like it's like, I can look at this with a lot more like that's beautiful. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. As what do you make like, of that whole section of the movie where, you know, to, to be in a house surrounded by people is just framed as claustrophobic in a way that there's just yeah. too, or the opposite of claustrophobic. You know, I, 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 I love the way the camera kind of captures that. And, um, you know, this thing where David Strathairn's character, she's like, fuck it, go be a grandpa, you know, you know, and then he like does. And then she's like, oh, but I can't, I I still can't do that. I mean, I I read up on like, and Bob's experience was like where he escaped kind of from, you know, one failed marriage and, and did all this. And then he tried to settle down again. And then that marriage failed because he, he couldn't do it anymore. It's like, I guess, I mean, he just, you know, th- that not being able to sleep in a bed anymore kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you, you see the people like that too. And one of the things, have you guys ever seen free solo? Yes. I have a lot of problems with free solo. Yes, um, I recall. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I uh, We've never actually talked about. We should talk about free solo eventually. Uh, but like I, I have a lot of problems with, with like the way with, with, with I think I have a lot. I have a lot of problems about the ethics of free solo and a lot of issues. And this is mm-hmm. being a philosopher and a cinematographer. Hey, look at me. I'm so full of myself. Uh, but <laughs> the, the point I'm just I'm just joshing. But like, I do have a lot Talk of issues with that movie. camera now. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I Anyways. know. It's cool. Hey, I am a fucking cameraman. I mean, I, I no, still fucking it's do, a genuine I, yeah. question. It's a genuine question. To- well, I, I, I think the issue for me comes down to like, a, yeah, you should have these conversations about like, you know, what happens if he died? There was a very I, my, my thought process is if the guy had actually died, that would be we would be having an entirely different conversation about that whole experience. Right. We wouldn't sure. be giving anybody awards and it'd be like, y'all were fucking irresponsible. And my, my point is, it's like if the issue is whether or not he does or does not die you kind of already lost in my book. That's like all my, that's always my take on free solo. None of this would have been usable footage if he died. <laughs> because, you know, well, it's, it's like well, some people have made movies that just get bad. Yeah. But it, like, let's be honest. It'd be a very different yes. tone than what they went with. How about that? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it would be a very, very different movie if he died attempting it. And then it would be about like how he was traumatized as a child and like moved place to place. I remember you were so upset by that movie that when Megan and I came to visit you once and we were drinking, I think maybe maybe it was after Roadhouse, you put it on or maybe it was the next night. And you're like, I love that we watch Roadhouse. And you were like, does does this seem okay to you? And you like specifically found that conversation that he has with his significant other where you just see her having to go through what he's putting her through by doing this this dangerous thing. 
and yeah. and that was the well that was that was it, me right? to you because you were in the same state as a significant other and a fiance is that and it's like one of those things where it's like you feel the restraint of it like i do where it's like you know i can't like do as dangerous things as i once did or do be as stupid as i once did because like you know that would hurt katie's feelings like that's a different experience for me and it's something that you like come to slowly realize like it ta- it's taken me like 10 years of like living with katie to like realize that like you know i cannot do what i once did because like my life is more important to her than it is to me sometimes that's dark um, no that's a, that's the theme in this movie and that's that's kind of where i would i wanted to talk to, to well, how that, that specifically yeah. affected y'all because for me you know as someone who is about to get married and you know i i've been you know kind of thinking about that kind of thing and who used to romanticize this kind of life i i think uh i i think that part doesn't quite find me in that I mean the whole thing with her and David straight there and I've already talked about but I guess it's it's hard it's hard to to appreciate whether that you know there's this whole struggle in the movie with whether or not she wants to open herself up to other people and is that like a lifestyle choice or is it the shadow of her grief and is being around other people objectively good or like and being vulnerable and being objectively good or not and I think you know I like the ambiguity that the movie sees that with you know but i think okay this, this is what i want to say this this is my, my 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 big thing that i can't let go of with this movie and the scene that i think just kind of eclipses everything else is i cannot imagine have you, you guys have owned a home right have you ever like you know um let go of a house that like you used to live in or that your, your relatives not, not with my significant other because i will never forget like uh, trying once my both my grandparents passed away, selling their house or no one of my, one of my grandparents was still living and the other had passed away and so we were selling the house and she was you know moving somewhere cl- where she could be closer to us and smaller you know more comfortable and you know you know tearing that house apart and like redecorating it to like sell and stage and everything and the whole process of that and the knowledge that somebody else was going to be using it and kind of wrapping our heads around that. And even the new family being like really receptive and being like, oh, you guys, it's such a wonderful house. Oh, you grew up here. Yeah, tell us about it. Like you can come by anytime you want. We didn't do that because it's still kind of a weird prospect. Yeah, you don't uh, do that. <laughs> but it was really nice. And it just for me to imagine that like the house I grew up in or that house would just still be there and empty and that I could just go and walk through those halls mm-hmm. and like visit those ghosts anytime I wanted to. It just like, I can't, I can't really get over that. Uh, uh, that scene yeah. in the movie is the most powerful to me for that reason. And I just think like, is this like what, uh, and, it, and it is complicated. Cause you're like, is this just like a company town thing? And is this just like company towns being this absurd so. thing that's yeah. like tied to it is. And, yeah. and it's crazy that this Single is objects. a real place that I looked right. it up. It's absolutely no, true. Yeah. yeah. It was a yeah. real, this is a fascinating thing she meant. It was a real place that was a mine town, the mine closed, the town, literally they made everyone leave and only two people live there now. And because of that, it lost its zip code, which they bring up at the beginning. Like it had its own zip code and now does not exist. But I think, Trevor, what you're talking about too, is I think generally that is a rural thing. I think that is such a fascinating thing that having grown up in a city, Places don't just get abandoned. Well, they, they can, and there are definitely abandoned places in, in cities, and in, in my city, too, is Houston, mostly in downtown, where, like, it's expensive to build new stuff, so it just kind of rots. But, like, 
Houses do not get abandoned in Houston. Houses S- get torn down. I I, uh, I need to have some conversations with you guys sometime about Durham, but we'll 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 talk about sure, that. Sure, sure. Uh, because and, we have a predominantly African American population, we can talk about abuses in this community that are fucking insane. Uh, no, and, we'll, and I don't we'll deny that there's wanna, there's awful yeah. shit, and and urban development has its own kind of horrible things. But oh in rural God. areas, it is oh crazy God. that like there you could just drive and see a farm that's been there for 30 years and it's just been decaying for 30 years and because yeah. no one cares yeah. to buy it and no one it's not just like a structural thing it's just a no one lives there anymore so it's gone and they just left the house because even if you know i agree entirely because destroy the house even in like, durham there's urbanization so like there's like there's white people moving in and doing all this stuff as opposed to like no one's gonna move out into this farm out in the desert that's like and it's just like because that exactly. initial person that died and left was the only person that cared about that no one goes there and it's just a house that's out in the desert that is slowly being reclaimed by the desert and it's, yes. it's just terrifying and, and and so i totally agree trevor the ending is is really remarkable for that reason when she goes into the old mine and there's like literally still the coffee cups there and the and the the the, the, the like staplers and just like the minutia of things of like mm-hmm. well you know we couldn't get enough money for the stapler so just leave it there and it's <laughs> i think that's that's what kind of makes the movie work for me so well and why i buy her rejecting his offer is because she you know she yes her sister says she left her family she you know is very was very impulsive when she was younger. She moved with this guy. She moved away from them into this town. And now the guy's gone and the town is gone. It's like literally there is nothing to anchor her anymore in a sense. And I think that's why just inherently she finds the idea as well as she likes David Strathairn. And I think they do a good job of making her not feel like totally in love with him as much as just finding him very comfortable and enjoyable mm-hmm. to be around. He is. He's, he, he's, he's, he's fun to look at, you know? Oh yeah. And, and yeah. look, and I'm with Trevor too. That house is fucking Brad. It, I don't know where they found that house. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it's surrounded by chickens and like farms and it's a gorgeous house. And I'm just like, I'll move there with Davis just there any day, but I'm not the fern. So that's a difference. I would say. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was about to say, like, I was like, I was like, fuck I, you, you. I, I, one of the things that I think is amazing, and I think this is where I'll get, because I, I, I was going to give shit to like the cinematographer for this movie, because his name is Joshua James Richards. And he, and during the, the interview with Ari on the movie The Writer, he wore a really douchey hat. And I, and he came across like very douchely. And I just, I've not forgiven him since then because I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm a failed cinematographer. So maybe my take <laughs> is like, fuck you and your douchery. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I, I will admit that he is fucking talented in the context of this movie because he just fucking is. Uh, but what I will say is like, I do love how in the context of that, the cinematography and the, perspective are always on the same page like that creating that sense of claustrophobia but also like you know the beauty of the situation and like the idealism of it and it's like giving her a place to do it it's like it, it wants you to create that sense of like why the fuck aren't you doing this fern it's like have you fallen in love with the road to that extent and it's like this whole thing and i it's great <laughs> and, 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 mm. i also wanted to respond to trevor too because uh when you were making that statement earlier about like the home and like the home that you left and everything else and it was 
one of those things. So like I, I have a very different take on homes because like I moved around a lot as like a child. Like I moved around to different homes and we had military housing and all this stuff. So we moved to home to home to home. And I like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like I very early on took over this thought process of being like a hermit crab. It's like, you know, it's, it's us. And we just set up with this. And I remember this time where we like lived as a family in a very, very, very small apartment, like a two bedroom apartment with like three kids and two parents, which is <laughs> Which is just like it was, a, it was like a thing, man. It was it was like a rough thing, but it was like it was like a good thing, too, because you just it was just one of those things where it's like I realized my family and the love of it would fit into any space. Do you know what I mean? We would just you just go where you got to go and you just do what you got to do. And it was one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, I, I'll never forget the first time I ever got upset about a house, though. We were in, it was in Champagne Drive. It was a really nice, sorry, it's called Champagne Drive. It's actually, it's not that nice. It's not as nice as Champagne Drive would, would indicate. I don't know what to tell you. It was a nice, it was I one think of that the could first, go either way. That could yeah, be, you know. It's I, either I like super trashy or it's there. like really yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I, I, I like the house too. It was the first time my dad, my dad was a, was a military doctor and didn't make money for years and then made money when he went to Duke. And then like, you know, and then eventually we, we bought our really, really first nice house on Champagne Drive that we sold. We, it was just like the first time we had a really really nice house and uh, we were selling it to this really 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 weird like and, and again at the time process this was like the 90s so like you know when we talk about california people we mean like weird 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 people they're not necessarily california people but like she was weird and had orgies and stuff and and the problem is we sold it to this lady who came into our home and i'll never forget because like i had two we had this is the first time that like we had two bedrooms and like i had my bedroom and and my older sister had her bedroom my older sister and and my dad did murals when we moved into the house so he like literally went up and did like the, you know those post-up murals and he actually spent a lot of time on them so you like had those like little like literally wallpaper you put up and it's like a scene and so the one that he did in my bedroom was the of the columbia space shuttle before it blew up <laughs> so like you know um which is why she probably took it down but like and she he did a nature scene in sarah's room because that's what sarah was because sarah was a painter at the time not at the time she was an art history major in college, but now she sells wine. Long story. She loves it. It's fine. Don't I, I'm not judging Sarah. It sounds like I'm judging Sarah, but I'm not judging Sarah. All right. This story is becoming really long and shitty. The point is, one of the things I'll never forget is I moved out of that house and I loved that. I loved that fucking uh, mural. And she took that mural down, but she didn't take my sister's mural down. She put a stump in there and created a forest scene and just like enhanced the forest scene. And it's where she went to pray to Mother Gaia. And she told my mother that. And I was just and I, 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 I was like, I was like. 10 at the time and i was like mom you can't sell this house to this lady she's gonna ruin our house with her weird oh. shit oh. and i like said that out loud <laughs> to like this lady who was like telling us about how she was gonna put like little squirrels in the room and i was like i i like i couldn't handle it and and it always made me really mad that she took down my space shuttle thing but she didn't take down my sister's like nature scene i got really really unreasonably angry at that <laughs> I don't know why, but it is one of those things where it's like somebody else taking ownership of yours stuff. And it's just it's just weird. I don't I, I'm going to lose my shit when I sell me and Katie's first house because we're eventually if we have kids, we're going to need a different house. Mm -hmm. But if we ever lose this house or it goes somewhere, I I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'll fucking do. Yeah, it's just too much that happened here. You know, it's just too much. Oy. No, I mean, I least had the thing of I, I went back to my old house and found that it was flooded during Harvey. So that was definitely 
emotional. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we weren't in it yeah. at least, but the people were. So it's just one of those and, things. And this is to my other point about this movie is that it just it's it's one of the best movies I've seen this year or I guess 2020, but this year as well in terms of creating a insanely powerful sense of nostalgia and our connectedness and tying that as into the, the connectedness to Americana. Like literally, this is like literally watching people enjoy the rotting core of Americana and it's a sense and like making the best out of it. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's also grief and other things and it just ties in for me. I agree with Trevor. I don't think this movie has a point so much as it creates an incredible ethos for us to go through. And it's one of those things where it's like, I do agree with you at the same time. At the same time, I think I can accept the existence of this movie on the fact that like, you know, this is a thing where somebody is trying to create the best thing out of a terrible situation. So it is both good and bad. And depending on who you're depending on your perspective and your situation is what you view. This will view this as. And so I accept somebody saying, I'm sure there is somebody living in their car out there. There's just like, fuck that movie. I understand that. I well, still think that it is not a that specifically is really what I was necessarily uh, meaning to criticize it for. But I, don't know, I bring up the house thing with with that whole scene just because I, I what I mean by not being able to get away from that is like, well, it was a company town, which is kind of how that works. But it was also the Great Recession. And like, you know, it's like how much is the economics, the story, how much is Amazon the story kind of thing. And I, I don't necessarily mean that I, as a criticism that I think this movie would be better if it was more political in, in, in terms of like making the movie about those issues. I can, I can almost promise you that it wouldn't be better, but um, yeah, but um, it's quietly about the characters and that's what well, I like about it. <laughs> I, I have either of you guys seen this. I needed to bring this up because it's a big part of, I think why maybe I didn't love the movies. I think I, I think I, I had stronger reactions to like Wild, the Reese Witherspoon movie, which is kind of a kind of a feminist thing about a, a woman kind of grappling with her grief at her mother's loss and her mother being kind of uh, not uh, not as valued as she should have been. And that movie also has the benefit of like Laura Dern. So, I mean, maybe there's that. But and. Yeah. and and into the wild, which is like just fully goes the other direction, totally unambiguous. Like, uh, you know, is about the dude who, <coughs> who quits society because fuck relationships, and then does a one eighty. Which I, you know, I, I feel like I had better, like more. I, I, I wouldn't say those either of those are necessarily better movies, but I think. I benefited from like stronger like takes in, in, in both of them. I mean, I, I recognize it's, this is an ambig- more ambiguous film, but I was wondering if either of you guys had seen either of those and if those. I, I have not seen Wild, but I have seen Dallas Buyers Club by the same director, not, which oh, is okay. Jean-Marc Vallée. Huh. So, he also did Big Little uh, Lies. Yeah, he did Big Little Lies, which honestly may be the best form of like his content so far but yeah you know, i like dallas Buyers cup don't get me wrong i'm a little drunk guys sorry oh, i have seen both <laughs> that's where all the that's oh, where I've all these nostalgia stories i didn't yeah. see wild i have not seen wild either so i can't talk about it but so i did I'm see sorry, into Trevor. the wild and i no, absolutely fine. hate that movie <laughs> i'll just be yeah, honest yeah, no and I, I get that yeah <laughs> we're all on the same page love the book hey, fuck the movie yeah too too much glorifying for me but uh Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that reminded me a lot of, which is why I like this movie, and I guess it's a it's a it's a question of of content and reality and, and dealing with you know 
the problem is whenever you 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 show a, a a part of society it's hard to say that this is you can't really say like this is the one encompassing right. you know, version of it it's the same thing that i got really frustrated with people with the florida project they're like oh it uh, makes it look yeah. such a romanticized version of poverty and i'm like no it's about one very specific strange phenomenon and one mm-hmm. very specific person like in that uh world um the the film that it reminded me a lot of is a film called lean on pete also from 2017 it's about a kid who's uh gets into horse uh racing and then they uh, for some reason the horse they want to kill it so he runs away with the horse and goes across the country and miserable shit happens to him constantly just gets worse and worse and worse and more awful and awful and awful and i just found it deeply frustrating and uh, it's the thing about No Man Lad that I appreciate is that uh, it never kind of went for a cheap moment like that. It never, it, for one, thank God, it never had one second of sexual violence or threat of sexual violence, which I was very happy about. I was like, woman traveling worry about across it the country. Yeah. That made me nervous. And then also no one, no one trashed her trailer. No youths <laughs> came by and beat her up. You know, there was no kind of cheap ploy like i feel like there was something do you think it would have been cheap or 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 do you think that my my only takeaway from that is that they're probably and and again uh, i'm gonna say this from a place of not having done research i would imagine that there is like similar to like reservation society there's like in terms of like you know at risk people there's a violence around the edge of the community because they are at risk people and it's be easier to knock her off as opposed to somebody in a home where there's immediate like there's a structure to find her so she would be a great target uh and i'm just saying like and i'm not I'm not saying that there's that. I'm just saying that like that is a factor of this community. And again, I'm talking about a metaphorical thing that it is. It wouldn't have bothered me to that have been an element. I, I guess like I have a very different thing. And I, I agree with you. The tone of the movie would be a. It's I, not I the tone of the movie, and that's why I yeah. was very glad it yeah. never went there. Because I understand what you're saying. It's it's not the tone and what we're going for here, as opposed there's to there's enough like, emotional you know, stakes already inherently in her journey. That if they to wanted involve. to have a. a yeah, exactly. If they wanted to, my, my, my only point is like, I, uh, this community is at risk and, and policing does not do enough to take this community to an account. And there's also uh, like a, you know, in terms of the context of the community, a historical distrust of policing in the context. So there's also like, that right. There's the flip side well. of that too, which I totally didn't think about, but that like is kind of a probably much, much easier thing for white people to do. And you mostly see it is, it's mostly it is. white community, probably for and that reason. And so. you look at this movie and it was mostly a white community in the heartland of Texas. But there's also I mean, it's also another thing. So it's like if you go to Indiana, like sometimes you go to Indiana, and you're like, there's a lot of white people here. You know, like I, I, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I mean, I agree with you entirely, though, Trevor, your, your point is. Yeah, you know, something was. I hadn't thought of at all. That was like, oh yeah, maybe that is kind of like why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I get what Ben's saying. We're like the the there's no it it's it's superior film and that it 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 just kind of avoids shunting in a conflict for the sake of there being a conflict. It doesn't feel the need to 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 manufacture that kind of. I guess right. Yeah. Switch thing. No, yeah, yeah. I, I'm ready to do some scores if you guys are actually, because I'm kind of want to see where people are on this. I, 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 I guess like I really enjoyed this film, um, but I, I don't. I want. I do want to hear. Um, 
So let's start. Let's actually start with you, Ben, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, there's one other thing to mention is that uh, Bob from this uh, movie has a very successful YouTube series, which uh, I'm now going to have to go through called Cheap RV Living on YouTube. He's got 480,000 yeah. subscribers. I, and I, uh, I wanted to talk about this. There is a lot of like, there is a there is a, a well that I have fallen down for. And it's, it actually makes me sad because uh, I've actually realized that I'm probably watching kind of the wealthier version of this well, where there's like more people that are doing like tiny house living and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's well, just there's, like there's a There's also really a whole f- group of millennials who are getting very much into... Revitalized campers, right? And they and they probably have a little bit. It's yeah, it's literally it's a little bit more choice involved than it is direct, like you know, RV living. So there is like that element to it. But I do think there is a choice here to be made in terms of like being able to like embrace the world in terms of like what you're doing. And I don't think that I necessarily want to take away from their choices in that context on the basis that people are being forced to do it and others. Do you know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is, but uh, I understand how there might, it, it, that's one of the things where I was surprised that it didn't come up on this, in this movie was like the tension between those two groups of like millennials road living versus like people that have to road lift. Do you know well, what I think mean? they, they I, covered I, I, it all in that. That's why again, even though this film is very uh, lyrical, they, they it's also very economical. I think you sum that up by them going to that RV show and looking at all mm-hmm. the fancy RVs that only rich people can afford to go out like three times a year <laughs> to go to like Yellowstone and park in a big camp lot and be like, we're camp, but kind of thing. Like it, it kind of sums yeah. it all up for me in this that one scene. Which why I, I don't know. I now, TikTok I don't people aren't that. They, they're very much more like the van living style, but it's also like a, a bit of a, a flex thing. It's just a, it's a whole new kind of thing. And it's only really come out in the last like one or two years, I feel like. So it, it is. I will say the one that got me where I did like go in deep on it was there was this couple who like lives on like they have a sailing ship and they just sail port to port to port to port and make money off their YouTube sale series about living like in a sailboat, just like going around Europe. And it, mm-hmm. and it, it's and it's just and they actually live incredibly cheaply. But it is just like one of those things. Where it's like I realize that this guy has like a red rig in his sailboat, just like moving around the cabin. And it looks fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like it's yeah. clearly like it's clearly like a TikTok star and like a professional editor and shooter like got together and got a rig and got on a sailboat and just sailed around Europe and made money off of it. And it's well, one of those things. Which I will like, appreciate I that her her van looked kind of gross. <laughs> like it wasn't the nicest looking. They van went in, in the for it. They went in for the honest version of what this was. It's not like her van is gross. Well, yeah, like, and I love that scene to... where the where uh, Swanky is like, ah, it looks a little ratty, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like there's a benefit to keeping your van looking looking uh, clean, probably too, in terms of yeah, I don't know. Well, also well, just yeah, in the, terms the, of how paint, people treat like, you, yeah, mm-hmm. like if you got to keep your van painted because then it'll rust slower, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like things. there's like legitimate like actual reasons as to why you need to like keep up with this shit so ben you've and then like you've casually prevaricated long like, enough let's let's give the score here i haven't even i've just been uh, barely talking um <laughs> i uh, prevaricating i i enjoy this film quite a bit i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten it's uh, a truly remarkable movie i just like chloe's out a lot i think this hits a very interesting comparison with uh the writer in terms of using two uh, actors who are obviously capable of creating great original characters 
um, with people who are their you know own selves and just plopping them into this world uh, particularly i think swanky is in her story of going to alaska is just so so beautiful and so touching and so well done um it's just got a really nice authenticity to it the it's golden hour of the movie you know it pulls from terrence malick in the best way in that way and just uh oh, just yeah. just just so many gorgeous dusk and moon and sunset shots and uh uh beautiful landscapes and i really enjoyed the ride i guess the only like downside is that it's maybe a bit too lyrical maybe it needs one or two more scenes of her uh conversating um and uh it just didn't quite have the same punch as the writer but that may have just been i admit you know when you see someone who's doing something sort of new it's uh interesting to me and this felt more like a bit like like a terrence malick riff than her previous one which felt very much of herself and I, I know I'm pumping up the writer a lot and it's just an emotional reaction I had to that film, but it's a, uh, it just does something a little bit more. I don't know. It just left me with a harder hit, but the, the, the finale of this film was so good. Francis McDormand gives one of my favorite performances of the year. Uh, definitely, definitely highly recommended. <coughs> and Swanky for best supporting actress. Oh yeah. Let's start the swanky. Uh, just, campaign. just like give swanky some. Just give somebody that's not an actress something that just like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like we like give actresses and then we're like, well, they were transformative, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's somebody that just gets up on there on screen and just like puts their. I know this is probably insulting to actresses, but at the same time, it's like sorry, actors or actresses. It's it's one of those things where it's like you know just getting up there and putting your life on screen like that can be a performance of a lifetime, and frankly. I don't know, Swanky like Swanky like destroys me at points and like weird so when Swanky died, I, I when Swanky's just and the way that they go about saying Swanky's oh, death, good. I was just that was the one that I, that was the moment in the movie where I was like, this is great. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed. This is great. I don't know why I'm saying it that way, but it's just, you know, <laughs> like I was I was just like crying. Wait, like, which no scene with Swanky are you referring to? At the end of the movie, when they find out that Swanky, when she finds out that Swanky died and the way she finds out Swanky died, there was not there was there was no need to show it or give the grievance of it. She had cancer. We knew about it. It eventually just and it just sets it up and just like cuts her out and you don't and you just find out about it about a meat at a meat and it's just like sort of painful like that and yeah they and, just cut to the funeral kind of thing or exactly memorial. and it's Frances yeah. McDermott and mm-hmm. is doing like all the work in that scene. So I'll give her credit for that. But like it's it hurts i don't know it just hurts it hurts and then they transform into like i'll see you down the road where it's just like this this notion that like you just you die and you go on to the camper in heaven and like we're all well, gonna see, head up I didn't the road like, in heaven sorry i'm talking over your time no no go ahead, go ahead I, I, that, I struggled with that i think that's kind of a um you know as much humanity and as much as this film did deeply move move me then you run into like a kind of vague spiritual kind of thing like that that i don't like <laughs> i feel Why the, this is the amazing thing about this is that i'm buying into the spiritual element of this movie and you're not well, like, the, I, there's like, the scene the, the <laughs> spiritual moment that did work for me is when she gets that when swanky just sends her that scene of the birds that she mentions earlier this this yeah. is a spiritual film and it did move me for that reason is that you get people talking about a thing and then you see the thing and it just hits you so much hard because you've like understood what it meant to that person like the plates she talks about the plates the plates break you see you're putting the plates back get you know it's it's brilliantly edited it's brilliantly made i see all of that and yeah. sorry I, i'll give 
yield back to you. No, no, no. I just, I, it's funny to me that, the, sorry, I, I, I consider you a more spiritual person, Trevor, to be entirely honest. Than the, the, the concept of the afterlife is like particularly triggering for me, I guess, is it? I, I do wor- think that is like a thing. Ju- but, but, you know, as a, as a, uh, as a cr- kind of more Western Christian concept that I'm, I'm always it, it, just It is like, like a, you know, like I'm meeting a horse on the highway yeah. with like a, with like a, like a pale rider. And you're just like, I'm sorry, like the, the pale motorcyclist is like, is like what I, I always always imagine that's just like that highway 95 notion where it's just like it's one of those things where it's like you know it comes for circle and it just makes it cute for a bit for me and, and that's the thing well, they also cover stardust you know and and yeah. you know and if it had been pitched in that more kind of ter- you know and i did a like a little bit of apologetic work to be like well you know but you'll meet their atoms again and it'll be like you're together again like the romantic view of that and like something mm-hmm. like his dark materials or something it's like okay you know i have my version of that i can kind of relate to this but that's me doing a little bit of work to like to reach you know bob's kind of view of the world a little bit and i don't i i i enjoy that honesty and authenticity about the film it's just you know it's kind of it's in place of a it's kind of doing the work of emotional maybe climax or third act kind of thing that i that strikes me as artificial that is 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 trying to find a little point of structure in what is essentially a structureless, unorganized, you know, tone poem, whatever, whatever you want to call it, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, you talked enough, Trevor. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I give it a seven, I think I, uh, Whoa, interesting. I, I think, yeah, the biggest obstacle for me is still, you know, and why I bring up those other movies that are also about people kind of escaping, or forming their own kind of society on the road is that I just don't really know what she feels by the end of the movie in terms of like, you know, I really didn't know what the takeaway was in terms of like, it made me think of the, the, what is it? The, 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 the lighthouse movie where the guy burns his house down with his family in it, uh, and can never Manchester by the sea. Yeah. Manchester by the sea. I don't know why I always just remember the word lighthouse instead of Manchester. Anyway, uh, you know, it, it made me think of like, is that is the takeaway kind of that where where she can just she's accepted that she would rather hang on to her grief and and that she's that life is never going to be what it was before that. But it's still life like kind of Bob says about honoring his son is is that the takeaway or is it is it something else like is this or like that conversation she has with her sister is so great where she's talking about you know all growing up you always were like more honest and more brave in this way is this like the life that she always wanted and and that she's finally had the courage to pursue and is it more that and preferring the freedom of something like that towards over settling down with David straight there and just hanging out with him all the time you know i don't know which it is and maybe life just doesn't have an easy answer like that. And it, and that's kind of why the movie is not organized that way is the movie just wants to dwell in that ambiguity as it can be both, you know, and maybe that's what it is, but I just, I, I needed a little bit more of, I, I, I genuinely don't know which it's supposed to be or if it's a combination of the two or what I was a little confused. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm in between the two about it. I'm an 8.5. I'll, I'll be honest where I was like, an, I'm a nine and I, and I was, I was a nine who recognized my own immediate criticism 
which is that I personally had a very romantic experience with this movie and I questioned the romance. I think Trevor's doing a little something similar to that. Like we're, we're, we're not, we're just very cynical of the romance that exists in the context of this movie. I will still entirely admit to the fact that I was swept up in it and I love it. And I think that's one of those things where I think, I think it walks the fine line and does a really good job. I'll give it an 8.5 mostly because i recognize that the person out there that is like this actually in the situation may have a very different opinion and i feel like that's the opinion that matters more than mine in any context face or frame form or value even as like i guess you got to call me erudite everybody's got to call me erudite (laughs) that's funny by the way prevaricate trevor do you know what it means yeah it means to lie he wasn't prevaricating it means to speak or act in an evasive way it does not a lie i'm not calling ben a liar that would be way too much okay yeah he is being evasive that is the point yeah okay i had a i I blame my bad substitute teacher i I didn't want to interrupt trevor he was making good points no no no, no. i'm invasive all the time where i'm like yeah yeah we were being evasive on a podcast is a rite of passage to being a member of the mgp i don't know what i'm doing here i'm a little drunk guys uh anyways uh that all evens out to an eight for nomadland which i think is still a i think it i think one of the things too it's like we got to put all this into context and i think even at the strongest even at the worst score here being a seven we all highly recommend you go see this movie it is worth your time i won't deny that it made me vision into the american heartland that is existing and continuing to exist there watch really fucking pretty pictures like on the most basic level it's just like you're gonna have a good time whether you connect to it emotionally or not it's just it's a visual splendor i mean it's just a gorgeous looking movie you you can absolutely turn off the sound get hammered and watch this movie Mm -hmm. i i think it's i think it's viable in the context of the cinematography as douchey as the cinematographer looks in that ra review which i'm not gonna lie i really want to hate him and i really want to hate him and he made something genuinely beautiful and purposeful and i and i can't fault him for it you know what i mean because if i could i would and that's 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 an endorsement if anyone ever got one <laughs> yeah, I will like it, Jack. This this movie still still made me want to like you know do the van thing. Like, I mean, it, it's something I've thought about you know multiple times in my life. I'm just I, I'm surprised that you still thought it was uh, like a romantic take on it after after everything like that you. That you uh, just, I think I think it I think it's. It, so you you think it is like it is romanticizing it a little bit like it is. I don't think it's romanticizing it. Okay. I think it's admitting to the romanticization the romanticization of the people involved in it. Yeah. And the people okay. attempting to keep the romanticization alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna do this, you gotta be a little bit romantic about it. Mm-hmm. I think I see what you're saying. And also how the romanticization of it pulls people back into it. Like it is a controlled element where she does have choices to leave it at points and she chooses not to. Mm-hmm. In fact, she has obstacles to being in it and she chooses to seek sources outside of it to get herself back into it, which is, again, I understand it because it has to do more without her. And I think it's a little bit where it's like the important element is that she doesn't deal with her grief. Like she just she like lives as a continuous like, you know, in a way that well, I you think could argue most, living is dealing with it, I think, is the argument. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where it's also like I'm pretty sure therapists are not going to say what she does is healthy in this context, but it's real. And that's the thing that at the end of the day punches me in the face is that like it feels 
fucking real. It's romanticization in a context that is incredibly real. And that's where I like, I'm just like, and that's where, that's, that's where the whole movie breaks down. It's like, you know, if I'm going to criticize anything, I'm like, God damn, this is the realest thing I've seen this year. And like, whatever. It's, it's still probably you know, it's healthier than uh, what Wanda Maximoff does with her grief, which uh, I can't wait to talk about next week. Hopefully. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's yeah. do that. That's right. I was trying yeah, to we gotta do that. You're right. right. We'll be oh yeah. We're going to do that. Then we're going to do Snyder. We're going to get back into Marvel. We're going to get away from. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we will never finish Bondcast. I'm just joking. We have done two very serious things these two weeks in a row. I'm, I'm ready for the Marvel. Yeah, well, is, it is serious, is, is, but I'm ready for the Marvel thing. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could use a, I could use a Marvel. Well, WandaVision is pretty serious as far as Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> WandaVision tackles a lot for Marvel. That's all mm-hmm. I'm going to say. WandaVision goes to places I don't think Marvel particularly wants to go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, let's go ahead. And so that's an eight out of 10 for Nomadland. Go check it out. And I think it probably deserves a couple Oscars. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know about yeah. Best Picture, but I haven't, you know, that, that's probably not Best Picture, a, but I, 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 I could I could swanky give swanky something. <laughs> yes, yeah, swanky. I want to see swanky at the Oscars. I want to. Oh, God damn. I want to see swanky at the Oscars. You're so right, Ben. Are we right. going to see people at the Oscars? Are people people going to be? There? I don't know. I don't the Golden Globes know. are tonight, and they're supposed to all just be uh, be be via Zoom, which is just going to be depressing. Wow. Yeah, that's going to suck. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it's all it's all about like Ellen DeGeneres going down to the front row and making the best selfie in history. God, I hate that that viral moment totally worked out for her. But whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <right. laughs> anyway, mixed feelings too. For the Movie Gang Podcast, this has been Ben Haworth. Thanks, y'all. Trevor Flynn. Bye-bye. And I've been your host, Jack Newman. Thank you for listening. I guess we're all been hosts. Like, I don't really actually do very much other than what, what everybody else does in the context of this, except talk more and kind of talk over people and talk too much. So that's all I do. That's what host does. It's like ruin over people's beautiful points. I don't know, apparently, man. I'm, uh, I'm all I'm all emotional. Apparently, any clue, I already had audio issues on Zoom. That's the future we live in now. Don't you, <laughs> don't you love it? <laughs> Um, I, uh, yeah, I, 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 the fact when, when, when it's great when actors get to act, it's not great when actors have to set up their own audio. You know what I mean? But, wow. He won, <laughs> he won best supporting actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Probably wouldn't Which if is he weird, had to set up his own audio. The, he's supporting. Was, uh, it's that weird, weird flip yeah. thing. That, that, fuck all that, man. I, I yeah. Right. So it's just, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's also like, what's the core element of a movie? Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like he's best supporting John, actor John for Judas. And I'm like, for I'm small just, acts, which is cool. That's cool. I'm glad about that. Soul oh, best anime. I'm, I'm bummed that Soul's going to beat Wolfwalkers because Wolfwalkers is so. Oh, I want to see that so bad. It's only on. Like, I Apple haven't or seen Wolfwalkers. What is this? This is. a. So do you see Song of the Sea or Secret of Kells? It yeah, is the yeah. Same director studio as that. Uh, it is uh, a beautiful yeah, Irish. I've never animated, gotten into those, but uh, I've heard very yeah. good things about Wolf fairy Wonders. tale. It's really gorgeous, really beautiful, and it's like I, I'm depressed was, because I, I was the. I, I know everybody had problems with Soul. I'm the most. I was the most positive about Soul, so it's fine. I understand. Yes. I will and take a Aaron look. Sorkin I still, I still really like play. Soul. I'm just saying. Also, we're picking between a Pixar movie and something else. So it's like it's not as bad as like when Miyazaki got robbed. It's just all the time. Except for the first time. Yeah, just existing. <laughs> well, I feel less bad about it after Earwig watching how much of a monster he was to his own son. <laughs> it's dark. 
Anyways, let's, 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 let's tune out here. Head over to the Tuscan Shed Media Network. It's TuscanShed.com where you can check out all our podcasts, including Animania, our anime podcast, as well as the Pen and Paper Pod. Every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can listen to a cast of awesome villains go about mercilessly murdering people and being murder hobos and, you know, skinning people. And apparently there was a call for slavery again. I don't know. I, I let people run as villains and I regret it immediately as a dungeon master. I'm just saying. Uh, Trevor, you got to dip that shit in the bud. I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying. If Tanner wants to have slaves, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not going there. Like, I'm, 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 I'm tired not, I'm of not being the party's moral compass when my character doesn't even call for it. <laughs> yeah, if so. it happens, like it's just one of those things where God himself will just end the campaign. I'm just saying. Cthulhu's going to go up your ass if you fucking do that. I'm just saying. Oh, look at Luna. That's so cute. That's a cute doggy. Let's get out the pen and paper pot and, and that what just happened last episode. Anyways. From everyone here at the Movie Gang Podcast, everybody extension the Tuscan Shed Media Network. Thanks for listening. <laughs>